1: What is going on Colts Nation welcome back to another episode of bring the juice your guys Derek and Cody back for another one guys in the middle of the offseason there's not a whole lot going on not a whole lot to talk about unfortunately but hey we are still here bringing you content. Because uh, we have a few more things we can talk about before uh, you know the well completely runs dry. But wanted to kind of talk about today as we look back at the 2022 Indianapolis Colts. We look forward to 2023 Indianapolis Colts. Obviously, a lot has changed in this offseason. The Colts have, you know, let guys go. They brought in new guys, you know, new coaching staff uh, on the offensive side of things. Like there's a lot of things the Colts have done. Um, and change from their 2022 season. And so with that, we wanted to kind of talk about what are some things the Colts must do differently in 2023. Now, I will say, Derek, this video is obviously a little bit more obvious than it's been in years past, because, you know, with a new coach, with the fact that you were picking, you know, where you were fourth overall, like there's obviously going to be need, need to be a lot of things that they didn't do well last year that need to change and need to be better in 2023. We have six things we're going to talk about, six points we're going to talk about, and we'll probably go off into tangents, honestly, and talk about other things as well within that. But we just, I just nailed down six things, and we talked about six things. So without further ado, let's get into it. The first one is, honestly, Derek, and this is something that we just don't know um, with this new team, but like, the Colts had some ways about them, Derek. some some ways that they, you know if you if you thought about the Frank Reich era with the Colts, what did you think of? You thought of can't win week one, can't win in Jacksonville, play down to inferior opponents. And also they just straight up can't win the division. <laughs> um, you know, and that they never did that in the Frank Reich era. and it felt like there was just these things where you're like, this roster has talent. It's not like we're devoid of talent. Like, what's the deal? You know, like, what's going on? And even with Andrew Luck for a year, they didn't win the division. They started off slowly. They didn't, you know, they still didn't do it. And so I think for me, Derek, the first one is just not falling into the past, not falling into the, the, you know, the complete loss in Jacksonville where it just decimated you. And you are eliminated from playoff contention. You play the worst team in football and you get absolutely embarrassed. We all remember that the clown game in Jacksonville, like those sorts of things like that, the Colts were just so known for. And we're just like, how can you be so inept at times? Like, how do you go from being the best team in football, arguably the hottest teams in football to completely just looking like you want the number one pick in the draft. Like they just did that a lot. And even last year was just like where the wheels fell off, man. And, all those things culminated and it got even worse. And so with a new coaching staff, with kind of a new era here in Indianapolis Colts history, a new quarterback, new, a lot of new things, um, how do you think and what do you think about this first point about them just not falling into their old ways again? Yeah, I mean, again, like
2: who can forget that game? I mean, I won't. I mean, it still haunts my, uh, it still haunts me in my sleep every once <laughs> in a while. Uh, yeah. if anyone wants to go and rewatch my video on that, feel free to go do it. It's still funny to watch up until this day. Uh, anyway, but yeah, I mean, there has been those right. Like Indy has had a lot of the curses. And the inability to do stuff recently. And, you know, it's been it's been tough to watch because, you know, under the last regime, you know, especially at the end of the luck era, I mean, we just we couldn't do it. We don't beat Jacksonville in Jacksonville. Uh we lose at the end of the season all the time. Uh we fall apart in the biggest moments, you know, they're We've only made it to the playoffs uh really once in the last four years. You know, we don't win the we don't win the division, you know, and now you're in a situation where, you know, Jacksonville has now asserted their dominance and they are now the clear front runner to be the best team in the AFC South for the long run until we see, you know, one of these other teams with their quarterback situation, how that works out. Uh, so now you're in this freakishly bad boat where you now have this new coach, you have this new quarterback, you have this new direction that you're going into, which is, I think that's why it's such a breath of fresh air, Cody, for all of these teams uh, and for these fans, because the Colts for the longest time always had that stipulation. Like they, they, win the big games like the ones they're not supposed to they win but the ones they're supposed to they just lose and it, it, it's just it's frustrating sometimes because you know the really good teams in the NFL very rarely lose games in a situation where they weren't supposed to uh, they don't do that very often like the Bills don't lose to inferior opponents that often the, the Kansas City Chiefs don't do it. The Eagles don't do it. You know, there's a lot of these teams that, you know, just dominate most uh, most of their weeks. And Indy has just not had that for a while. They'll go on these freakishly uh, crazy streaks of winning six, seven games in a row, but then they'll, they'll lose, you know, two or three in a row uh, in situations where they should have won. And so – You're right. It's going to be that sort of situation where hopefully Steichen can get them out of the old ways of, you know, being complacent. And hopefully we see this team even towards the end of the year, which I would imagine probably will because Anthony Richardson will be getting better and better as the year progresses on. You will see a better version of Anthony Richardson at the end of the year than what you will see at the beginning of the year. So hopefully uh, we will see this team continue to make uh, make progressions on the
1: inc- incompetence that we've shown recently. Yeah, for sure. It was just, I mean, even in wins, Derek, do you remember um, the Green Bay game when 2020 right so that was a good season for the colts 2020 yeah. was a good season probably their best season in the last four years by far um but even in that green bay game they should have won that game in regulation but they were making stupid penalties stupid mistakes they held like three straight times it was just like stuff like that and even that playoff game in buffalo they should have won that game yeah they should have won that game but they were stupid stupid decisions stupid plays stupid mistakes and that was just i think a culmination of the Frank Reich era, essentially, right there it was just dumb, unforced errors that just like that kills your team. These small things that added up to the big things and your team just wasn't disciplined and they weren't mentally tough. And I love Frank Reich. But honestly, Derek, I think it stemmed from the head coach. I think that the Colts were mentally weak from their head coach um, and Shane Steichen, at least from what we've seen. He's not going to coddle players. He's going to go after players. He's not afraid to get in players' face. Like, he's not afraid to do that. And so, like, I think certainly from that standpoint, the accountability will be a lot better than it was under Frank Reich. Frank Reich's a great person. Like, don't hear me saying I hate Frank Reich. I don't. But, like, I always had a beef with him not holding players accountable when they need to be held accountable. So, on the surface, at least, and we'll see, time will tell, it seems like. The Colts have a guy that's not afraid to get in players' face, that's not afraid, basically what Jim Merce wanted in Jeff Saturday, right? A, a guy that's going to go, you know, players are going to love him, but he's not afraid to call him out. And I think Shane Steichen's that kind of guy from what we've seen and what we've heard. So, anyway, not falling in your own ways. We'll see if Steichen and company can do that um, and can maybe, you know, because there are still those players who were a part of that Frank Reich era, obviously. Um, so we'll see, man, you know, can they get their mindset? To a winning mindset and not a oh here we go again kind of mindset and can Shane Steichen and company help them with that? So that one certainly I think is just overall for the team a big one. Uh, But specifically talking about the offense now, real fast, we have a couple points here. Um, You know, with bringing in a new offensive mind, a guy that you know used in Philadelphia used so many different guys in so many different ways to you know basically be a couple plays away from Super Bowl champs. Like you know, and they did not lose because of that offense at all. Um, but I think that's one thing that we just didn't see the Colts do last year at all. In fact, I think they were one of the worst, if not the worst team, when it came to explosive plays, Um, and that's with Jonathan Taylor. That was with Paris Campbell. Like They had guys that could be explosive, but they just were not explosive at all last year. They were awful in that department. They were just awful in general on offense, but specifically uh, pushing the ball down the field. That was just really, I I think from the beginning, Derek, that was just a non-factor. You know, like the Colts, what they could do is they tried to basically I heard it the other day kind of described like this. They tried to beat teams by paper cuts like they did these short drop, you know, three, four five yard passes. And they tried to just do that kind of stuff. And that just didn't work. They, they had no threat. And teams knew it. They had no threat. They couldn't beat you down the field. And so you get Anthony Richardson, you get Shane Steichen. And you think at least on the surface, even if you're not, you know, that much better offensively you're certainly at least gonna have the opportunity and the threat of a vertical passing game. What are your thoughts on that?
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: We've had this discussion before. I mean, of course, Indy has a ton of athletes. Uh, Jonathan Taylor in 2021 was on the scene and became easily the most explosive player in the entire NFL. Like people were putting him in the MVP conversation for how explosive and how valuable he became as a runner for the Indianapolis Colts. And then sure enough, you draft a guy like Alec Pierce, who is a six foot three, 210 pound monster who can run a four four and has a 40 inch vertical. So he is a he is a matchup nightmare for whoever goes up against him from an athletic standpoint and a height standpoint, because there is not any no. Six foot three, two hundred and ten-pound corner that I know in the NFL that can run a four-four and has a 40 plus inch vertical. I don't see those. So that's that's a certain situation where you have that kind of ability. And Jelani Woods, who you saw last year, is the most athletic tight end that has ever come into the NFL. The most athletic one ever. And then, of course, you know, Michael Pittman is no slob either. Michael Pittman definitely can get himself open and is very good with his body. He knows how to get open. So you have all these weapons here on you. You have the offensive ability. I mean, people people don't want to get... We don't want to give the 2021 Colts enough credit offensively for what they were actually able to put on for the majority of the year. I mean, Indy's offense for the majority of the year... Up until the final, like three or four games of the year, when they just couldn't do anything because Carson Wentz just forgot how to play football. They, I mean, this was one of the more explosive offenses, and they didn't. And their best wide receiver at that time was Michael Pittman, who was just coming into his own in year two. And their second best weapon, out, with obviously not Jonathan Taylor, but a wide receiver, was a. Thirty-one year, thirty-two year old T. Y. Hilton. So, like, you didn't have much, but yet the Indianapolis Colts were that explosive in twenty twenty-one. Jonathan Taylor had five touchdowns against the number one rush defense in the entire NFL that season. You know, so it'll be phenomenal if Jonathan Taylor doesn't have the in- lingering injury problems that he had this year, and if he remains healthy for the majority of this season. Then that would be phenomenal because it opens up so much more for you. And this point kind of just segues into a few more points that we're about to make. But, you know, on top of now adding the most athletic quarterback that has ever come into the NFL and, and what he can provide you, the explosive nature of what you can now reach with also a guy in. Shane Steichen, who just came from an offense that really utilized its players and made them a lot more explosive. So it's a great situation for Indy that it may not be looking fantastic when it gets started, but it will be a lot more fun to watch this year than what you saw last year with 38-year-old Matt Ryan, who couldn't run an offensive line that couldn't block running backs that couldn't run, wide receivers that couldn't catch, you know, all of this. So it will be a lot more entertaining, to say the least, with the explosive plays that you'll see this next year.
1: I want to throw out a stat here um, that I found when I was doing a story on some players who could break out. I talked about Alec Pierce real fast, and I know you mentioned him. Um, but one thing about Alec Pierce, he was—he led the Colts in explosive plays last year, right? He was a guy that just, you know, basically uh, beyond 20 yards. He had 15 last year. Um, Over the last three seasons with Shane Steichen, whatever offense he's, you know, been the offensive coordinator for, guess what, Derek? Their offense has has been top 10 in passing attempts over 20 yards in the last three seasons, top 10 every single year. So you certainly think like with Anthony Richardson, with what he can do, obviously with his arm and also on the ground uh, with Alec Pierce coming into year two, um, the fact that he's, you know, his game is the big play. You have Pittman, you brought in Josh Downs, you have Jelani Woods, you have Jonathan Taylor, like you have Isaiah McKenzie, you know, you have a lot of guys here. And I know like people are like, Oh, this offense, I don't know if it's going to be good or if this team's going to be good, but I look at it and I'm like, it's not like this team is devoid of talent at all at the skill positions. They have a ton. I mean, they have a ton, and they may even bring in another one in Brashad Perriman very soon, who's a guy that, you know, has a couple 500-yard seasons a couple of years ago. So they're just continuing to add competition and continuing to add, you know, skill level on top of skill level. And so I really do think with the new quarterback, the new offensive uh, play caller Shane Steichen, and, and all the talent you've accumulated the last couple offseasons, I mean, I do think this team could have a pretty explosive offense when it's all said and done, Um, but we'll see. All right, let's move on to number three. Um, And this is one, Derek, that I know you specifically wanted to include. Talking about just playing loosely offensively with Anthony Richardson as your quarterback. Talk, Talk to me about that a little bit. What did you mean by that?
2: Well, playing loosely, I mean, you're in a situation right now where you're in uncharted territory. Right now, if you're the Indianapolis Colts, this is not a situation that you have had to deal with in over a decade uh, where you are coming into a team with a new quarterback who you believe is the franchise and you're coming into a situation where there's a lot of questions and a lot of uncertainty because unlike what happened a decade ago in drafting Andrew Luck, you were a lot more confident in Andrew Luck's playing ability because of Andrew Luck being a lot more polished for the position. Uh there's a lot more question marks on Anthony Richardson's ability at this moment in time. So there's a lot of those kinds of people who are trying to say, how much freedom do you give this kid? How much is it about trying to not only win games, but at the same time also trying to get Anthony Richardson to learn along with playing the game. And I think the ultimate way to get this kid to be able to play the game the way he knows how and the best way to try to get him going is inevitably to play loose. You're going to tell these guys, especially Anthony Richardson, Listen, we want you to go out there and do what you are capable of doing. Obviously, we're giving you a game plan. We would like for you to stick with it. We want to make sure that this game plan is going to help you succeed going forward. But we also don't want to hinder the thing that makes you great. And that is the ability to make plays with your feet, being creative, making those amazing highlight plays that we could never draw up you know like allowing you to be the player that you are it's very difficult i mean people will say oh shane Steichen is a is a is a god at creating plays right like designing these things and he'll be able to figure it out so easily there's never been a quarterback like Anthony Richardson to come into the NFL. There just isn't. There's been a few of them that are really close, but there hasn't been one like this. And there hasn't been one that's been this unpolished as of this moment coming into that situation. So, as a kid, a very young kid who's going to come into this situation, he's never been in before, very limited experience, and he's going to struggle. This year, you know he is. you got to allow him to find his way and allow him to do things at his own pace once in a while to allow him to feel more comfortable moving forward because I think, Cody, we all agree here. Well, I mean, I don't know. Some people in the comment section may think that the Colts are going to the Super Bowl this year. I don't know who that is, but some people do. Uh, It's just that The Colts need, it's a trial and it's a trial and run sort of thing. So just allow Anthony Richardson to be Anthony Richardson while also giving him guidance along the way, giving him a structure, and that will help him further down the line than trying to stick to a game plan that just doesn't suit him.
1: Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah, I agree with you there on that one for sure. Um, You know, expectations for year one are not, you know, I honestly think like a lot of people, um, and I could be wrong on this, but definitely from what I've seen, it seems like people are less concerned about how many wins the Colts have this year and just on how does the rookie look? How does Richardson look from week one to week 17? How does he look? How has he grown? How has he progressed? Because I really think, and Jim Mercer said it, and I think like Chris Ballard and everybody has said it, this is not about 2023. This is about 2024, 2025, like in the future with Anthony Richardson. So I think realizing that there's going to be mistakes, there's going to be some warts, there's going to be some things that he's going to have to refine. Um, he's not going to be a perfect prospect. He's not going to be Andrew Luck, his rookie season. Like that's just not going to happen. So um, I think you're right, just playing loose and realizing like, hey, You know what? This kid's learning. He's 21 years old. He just turned 21 and he's got a lot of potential ahead of him, but you know, that's why they took him. They didn't take him for what he's done, but for what he, they think he can do in the pros. So Yep, absolutely. All right, let's move on now to number four, uh, staying with the offense. One more time here. Um, I think you got to talk about that offensive line. You've invested a lot into it. You know, Bernard Ryman going into year two. You have Quentin Nelson still there. Ryan Kelly's coming back again for another year. You have Will Fries, who played some down the stretch right now, currently slated as right guard. And then Braden Smith's been your right tackle for the last few years as well. So you kind of have a – a decent amount of guys who have been there and a couple of newer guys as well. Um, But the big thing that we saw Derek, and I feel like it got a little bit better when Jeff Saturday was there was just the offensive line communication, right? It wasn't like this offensive line was all the time, just getting outright, just destroyed. It was, there's a lot of miscommunication. A lot of things were un you know, untouched blocker or untouched pass rushers, untouched defenders were coming through the holes and just destroying the quarterback. No, it was just like they just were not communicating the proper way they needed to communicate. And, you know, with Anthony Richardson coming in or, you know, Gardner Minshew, or whoever it is, like your offensive line has to be better. They just have to be with what you're currently paying them and how much you've invested there. They cannot afford to be what they were last year for the majority of the season. They have to step it up, and the first step has to be communication that has to come from these you know, veteran guys, Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith. These guys have to lead the charge there and make sure what happened last year doesn't happen again this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, what happened with the Indianapolis uh, Colts was just so unprecedented when it came to uh, how things went with their offensive line. You know, we figured that this last year, you know, okay, so the left tackle situation might be fuzzy. But, you know, Braden Smith's still there. Ryan Kelly's still there. Quentin Nelson's still there. Will Fry steps in at the right guard. He has experience. He's not been bad. You figured, okay, like, you know, at least three out of five, you know, you'll still be solid. But sure enough, I mean, Indy had, for the most part of the year, had the worst offensive line in all of football. And it was tragic how bad it was. Tragic, tragic, tragic. It was to the point where we were almost at a point of figuring out what was more at fault. Was it Matt Ryan who was most at fault for what this team was doing? Or was it the offensive line being the main reason? Like, that's how bad they were that the offensive line was highly considered the main reason why the team couldn't win a game because they were giving up that many sacks. They were averaging giving up four sacks a game uh, to these teams. And that's terrible considering the fact that just four years ago before uh, Chris Strauser, who ended up, you know, is now in, in Houston, uh, took over the position was the best offensive line in all of the NFL the year prior to him coming in. And every year since then, Cody, it has gotten worse. It got worse. The communication was at an all time low last year. Uh, Ryan Kelly, half the time looked like he was blocking the wrong gap. Uh, <laughs> and then Matt Pryor, the whole situation there, that was Chris Ballard's fault thinking that Matt Pryor was ready to do that when he wasn't, uh, and then not filling the depth at the uh, interior of the offensive line. You know, you let Chris Reed go. You let a few, you let... Uh, Glowinski uh go away. So, yeah, see, there you're reminding me. You let both those guys go in the offseason. You didn't retain either one. And sure enough, that right guard position also didn't help you through the majority of the year. So, you know, Ballard let the team down doing that. Uh, you know, Chris Strouser let the team down doing that. So now you bring in uh Tony Soprano, who uh hopefully you will find a chance. Uh, soprano, I should make sure I get that right. Tony Soprano Jr. Not the Sopranos, uh, Eric. No. Br- no, not Soprano, man. Come on, <laughs> now, give me a break. Uh, it's gonna be uh a different change of events for ending. You really hope that. Sperano will actually be able to get this unit back into and back into some cohesiveness and Quentin Nelson talked about it a few weeks back when uh, the team came in. He talked about how, you know, just something about like the O line as a unit just kind of lost like it's like connection with one another. And that's just something that you can't do. You can't have an offensive line not be fully connected with one another in everything about their lives. Like that's a that's a team that's a brotherhood within the brotherhood. There, like those guys have to know what they're doing and they have to be into it, or else it's just not going to work. So hopefully, the new O line coach can help get them back into the right fundamentals, and hopefully after realizing just how bad they were last year that you know some uh some time clock started finally ticking in some of these guys heads and realizing that you know it's time to pick it back up uh if some of us want to be back on this team or keep the contracts that we have moving forward
1: Yeah, absolutely Um, One thing quickly, just on the defense as well, Um, you know, this is really the defense for the most part, I thought was pretty solid last year. And they were definitely not the reason the team only won four games. In fact, they won three of those games, I think, if my memory serves correct. So um, but looking overall um, on this defense, obviously, they lost a couple vets. McLeod, we already talked about, and Stephon Gilmore as well. So there definitely is a youth movement there, and that will definitely be, you know, We'll monitor that and see kind of how that goes. There's probably, you know, gonna be a little bit of a uh, of a step down just because there's some young guys learning it. But I think just overall from the defense, I would like to see just more consistency. And this this is kind of how I'd like to see it. I'd probably like to see like the defensive line played really well last year at times. There's also times, Derek, where I felt like, where is this pass rush? You know, like they would come in and they would play really well and they would have games where they get three, four, five sacks and then. Other games where they're hardly touching the quarterback, and you're like, "What's the deal here?" And you have talent there. You have Quindy Pay. You have Dio. Um, you had Yannick Ngakwe last year, but it just never felt like the pass rush was consistent, and uh, you know was something that would win you games necessarily. You never saw a walk off sack, you know, from Yannick Ngakwe or Quindy Pay last year. It was always Stephon Gilmore making a play. Um, so just for this defense, I'd like to see more consistency across the board, not just in the pass rush, but also just, you know, when it comes to closing games, right? There was definitely some games where the Colts could have won if their defense has stepped up and made to play. You know, they weren't perfect last year at all. I mean, you think about that Philadelphia game um, where that defense just had to stop Jalen Hurts and look what he did. You think about the Washington game as well, um, you know, where, you know, Terry McLaurin goes up and makes a play. Now, obviously, that was a great play, but they won that game. Um, and then you think of like the Houston game at the end of the year, you know, where Indy could have had a great chance of winning that game. Um, you know, there were so many games where if this defense just made a player more, two, two more, they probably would have come away with a win, honestly. But uh, so that's what I would say. This defense had some really nice moments last year, but there's definitely still some room for improvement. I think that just goes with some consistency.
2: Yeah, and I mean, to add on to the, that list, I mean, I, I bring this game up, even though Indy won this game, the game against Jacksonville in Indy, uh, we gave up 220 rushing yards in that game. And on top of it, Trevor Lawrence became the first quarterback in NFL history, Cody, to complete over 80% of his throws throw for over 250 yards and throw three touchdowns to no interceptions. And yet somehow, some way they lost the game. Somehow they lost, which is the craziest thing ever to think about. Like how in the world you could ever lose a game like that as a quarterback. That is just terrible. Uh, Because, I mean, that was the worst game that our defense had all year. And just, it was just for some weird reason, we just couldn't stop the run. I didn't understand it. I mean, and it was another one of those things where, like, just out of the blue, the defense just forgot how to play defense. I just, I I don't know what to tell you. But, like, I know that there's some times where games like that happen. But... You see it happen consistently, and that's the problem. And it's the wrong kind of consistency. So, yeah, totally agree with you that the defense, in and of itself, listen, there's going to be games, you know, there's going to be maybe, you know, three or four games where you're going to have a breakdown, you're going to have a meltdown. But let's try to keep it to three or four and not like five or six, you know, or even seven for that matter.
1: Uh, last one here. I want to talk about? I think it's it's something that Chris Ballard said, and I think it rings so true uh, for all of us. And I think we definitely can can agree with this one. It's like your best players playing like it, like good players playing good. You know, not having the Kenny Moore's of last year, where he's getting beat a ton and looks like and played like one of the worst corners in football. Um, and that obviously was due in part to an injury. Um, you know, Quentin Nelson didn't really have a great year for his standards. Um, Ryan Kelly certainly didn't. He's been on the decline the last couple of years. Um, you know, just different players like that, uh, you know, not playing to the level that they were. And then, you know, players like Shaq Leonard, who didn't play at all hardly last year. And when he did, he didn't look good. So, you know, it's kind of a twofold where like your best players need to play well, but they also need to stay on the field and be healthy as well. I think that's just something the Colts need to do obviously injuries are something that nobody can predict. So, you know, some of that – sometimes that stuff just happens. But, like, you can't afford to be paying your your offensive line what you're paying them if they're going to perform like one of the worst ones. You can't afford to give Kenny Moore a new contract if you played like he did last year, you know, so on and so forth. So, really, it's just, like, getting your best players to play like they did, you know, and like we've seen them do. Even Michael Pittman, to a degree, last year. You know, like, I know we almost had a 1,000 yards again – he definitely took a step back from where he was in 2021. Now the offense was in shambles. Yes, but Pittman definitely needs to be better than he was last year. So like things like that, like you just need some of these players who are ascending to play better than they did last year.
2: Yeah. I mean, you're right. Last year was a year where a ton of veterans on this team really disappointed. You know, I mean, it it, it stinks because some of it was injuries you know, and it, it sometimes it just you can't help that. But you know, like you said, Jonathan Taylor, you know, got injured for the first time in his entire and entire football career. This year decided to have the injury bug. Again, prior to this year, I can't stress this enough. People, Jonathan Taylor in his entire football life, has never missed a practice. I'm not talking games. I'm saying he's never missed a practice leading up to this year. And sure enough, ended up missing what seven or eight games this year because of that ankle. And, you know, had a bunch of different times where he's missing a few practices before that. I mean, it, it unfortunate, but you know, that really hurt the team, you know, going forward. It really hurt. Um, Because, you know, but even then, like, I mean, we kept talking about it. The O-line was so tragically bad that even Jonathan Taylor couldn't be Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Michael Pittman, you know, at multiple times last year had the ability to, you know, alter the course of games. And he let the team down. He let the ball slip right through his fingers sometimes. Uh, That's got to change. You know, and then, like you said, Shaq needs to come back, man. He needs to... Um, he needs to come back, and he needs to be, you know, a really good linebacker again. We need that. Um, you know, the, some of these defensive linemen that you drafted really high haven't quite lived up to expectation just yet. Keep getting injured, uh, and then you know, it's just and it's a bunch of these sort of situations where this team is still so young, but at the same time, like you know, there's a few of these veteran guys, and like you said with the offensive line. Everyone on the offensive line for the majority of last year was very much underperforming at the max. So I don't know. That's that to me, when I hear that Cody and I say that like all of these guys were playing like that, all of them, like all the veterans, all the guys that have been on this team for however many years, all of them did bad or were getting injured and all of this other stuff. Just, just, kind of makes me sit there and I'm thinking to myself, the the culture of this team definitely got lost. Uh, however that was, I don't know, but clearly these guys weren't, you know, weren't on the right track for a lot of different reasons. Uh, it was very apparent from the very be- from very early that the Indianapolis Colts were not a good football team last year. And I feel like everyone just kind of went half-assed last year for... To, or lack of a better word. So hopefully with a lot of these guys coming back from injury, a a new head coach, a new electric quarterback in the building, hopefully this re-energizes this team and realizes that, okay, we actually have something to look forward to in the future here. Let's try and
1: get back to what we were. Only got, well, maybe two guys that didn't let that happen. DeForest Buckner and Zaire Franklin. That was probably about it. That Like, the vet guys that were starters for you. Like, that was it. <laughs> that's crazy mm-hmm. to say, but, like, that's how bad it was last year. So, uh, now, fortunately, some of those guys definitely – I feel like after the change happened, some of those guys definitely stepped up. I feel like Braden Smith definitely down the stretch looked really good. He was one of the better tackles in the league. But, like, yeah, a good majority of the guys just were not living up to expectations last year. So, definitely going to have to change, but – Guys, that is our list of the six things the Indianapolis Colts must do differently in 2023. Let us know your thoughts overall on these six different points that we talked about. Is there something else maybe that we didn't talk about that you want to talk about that you think the Colts didn't do well in 2022 that need to do better in 2023 and need to do differently? Let us know all those things in the comments below. But that'll do it for this one, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate all the support. And as always, guys, go Colts.